Every Sunday, we gather to make much of Jesus through the preaching of God's Word, worship, and fellowship together. We would love for you to come and join us. We have two services, one at 8.30 and one at 11, and Bible study for all ages at 9.45. We hope you will grow in your affection for Jesus with today's message. Thanks for listening. Can you see me? All right, they're going to be clearing the stage, and I'm going to uh, be talking for a little bit. Man, what a great uh, worship service. Uh, Gary, thank you so much. Um, Welcome to Global Mission Sunday. It's been a day I've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, I'm glad you're here to worship with us, and as we get to celebrate what the Lord is, is doing around the world. I hope you had a chance to grab one of our mission booklets. I want to highlight this just for a moment. I'd like to to uh, point out just a, a couple of features. Um, last year, our church uh, decided that we would do special missions offerings just a little different. While we still celebrate and we pray during our weeks of prayer and we still emphasize and provide education on missions in the state of Texas and missions in North America and missions around our world, uh, we've conglomerated our offerings into one offering that we call the Global Mission Offering. And if you turn to page three and four, you can see where we talk about the global missions offering and how we divide the percentage of what you get toward the special mission offerings. There on page three, you can see that. And so if you've ever been wondering, how how can I give to missions? What, What should I do? Well, what I would say is the best thing that you could do is, is give to the global mission offering here at First Baptist Belton because when you do that, you know that every one of your dollars is going to either missions in the state of Texas, given directly to the Mary Hill Davis offering, or missions in North America, given to the Annie Armstrong offering, or international missions, given to the Lottie Moon offering, or to our own harvest fund that we use to send our own people out on missions. So if, if you want to know where to give for missions, give to the First Baptist Belton's global mission offering. There's a couple of other things in here that I would like to highlight. There's, there's some autobiographies, some not autobiographies, just some biographies about the ladies uh, that the special offerings are named after. If you don't know much about Lottie Moon or Annie Armstrong or Mary Hill Davis, uh, read through these. They're, they're enjoyable to read. Oh, well, I wrote them, so uh, they should be enjoy- <laughs> enjoyable to read. Um, and then in the back uh, is a description of all of our local partners. In our last, last year's book, we didn't have room to put the descriptions of everybody that we support financially or through prayer. And so in the back, beginning on page 15 and, and almost to the very end of the book, are good description of all the partners that, that we have in missions. And then the most important feature in this booklet is the center is the center. It's the, it's the prayer calendar. Let me explain to you how this works because last year there was a little bit of confusion. What is, what is today's date? It's February what? February 28th. So if you were using this as a prayer guide, then you would go to the number 28 and this would be your prayer for today is to pray for the mission activity of our own, our children, our youth, and our college ministries. So that would be your prayer emphasis and missions today. So what's the date tomorrow? The first. So instead of going to the 29th, you'll go up to the number one. And tomorrow, you'll be praying for BCYC and the Body of Christ Community Clinic. 
And that's how this prayer guide works. You use the, the number of the day of the month, and that's, that's what we'd be praying for as a church. And so what we do from time to time is we send notes to these partners and say, hey, I just want to let you know, let's say it's, it's, a, it's March 7th. And we may send a note to Jen Sutton of Hope House to say, hey, just want to let you know that today our church was praying for you. And so this is kind of how that prayer calendar is used, and I encourage you to, to take advantage of that. So that's enough about the book. Uh, we have three missionaries on hand today that are about to come up. And, uh, and so, guys, come on up now. We have, um, we have Tom from Texas. We have Andrew from Iowa. And we have Kyle from uh, overseas. And so uh, what these guys don't know is I'm about to ask them to take their shoes off because we want to see just how beautiful their feet really are. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. That's not going to happen. So, All right, guys. So um, these are our missionaries. Welcome them. Welcome them. Yeah. So, guys, welcome to First Baptist Belton. I'm glad you're here. I know some of you traveled a lot. Well, all of you traveled. They all drove at least. How, how many hours did you drive to get here? Nine. About 12. 12? 13. Nine, 12, 13. That's a long way. So, guys, thank you all for coming. Uh, so just take a moment now and introduce yourselves, if you would, to, to First Baptist Belton. So my name is Tom Sylvia, and my wife is Carissa. She'll be joining us at 11. And then we have two kids, Evie and Miles. Evie is seven. Miles is five. Um, we love going on uh, road trips to visit churches, and we love seeing the churches and meeting the people. So we're grateful to be here. Thank you for all your support and having us here. Uh, we serve in El Paso, Texas, just on the other side of the state, two jumps, two hops, and a long way away. Um, and we've been there since 2018, planting Sun City Church. All right, so before we go on, let's just get it out of the way. For those of you who know who, who, know who Mike Miller is, Tom and Mike Miller sound exactly alike. So they're just, their voices are just uncanny alike. Let's move on. Uh, my name is uh, Kyle Leach. Um, my wife, Jill Leach, is here with me. Our four kids have grown, pretty much grown up, Amanda, Joseph, Jacqueline, and Lyndon. Uh, we've been here uh, on several occasions. I've been able to come and share with you, and you all have sent folks into our area. Uh, where we work and serve. We've been working in Southeast Asia for 25 plus years among three people groups. And uh, it's it's uh, an honor to be here again. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. My name is Andrew Self. Um, I'm married to Tracy. We've got three kids, Lydia, Malachi, and Abel. I actually, I grew up in this church. When I was walking in, I was reminded of uh, some of the biggest points in my life took place in this room or on the stage. I got married here uh, by Matt. Um, I was called to ministry in this room. I was uh, I resigned and was sent out to be trained from church planting in this room. Um, so this this room and this stage uh, has a lot of brings back a lot of really really good fit, uh, memories, and I'm reminded of uh, all that God's done in my life. But uh, my family and I we serve in Des Moines, Iowa, at a small church, a Frontier Church, that was planted about five years ago. All right, that's awesome. So you mentioned calling. Why don't you guys go and tell us about your calling to, to missions or church planting or whatever you're doing as you serve um, and just how that came about. And, and then also, how did God call you to a specific location? You know, just So whoever would like to take that. Uh, so for me, my, I, it was probably my undergrad. I went to uh, Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina, so also far away. Uh, but... 
just learning about the Bible, learning about missions, the unreached people group, and we're back in my hometown, there was just a lack of knowledge of the word where I'm from. I grew up with a lack of knowledge of the word. And I was just being fed the word in undergrad and at the, my local church at that time. And within me just welled up saying, I've got to share what I'm learning. I've got to give more. I've got to teach this because it's so good. It's so edifying to my own soul. And I want to edify others with the gospel, with the word. And so from that point in undergrad, uh, I was committed to teaching the gospel, teaching the Bible. And now where that, that was still on the map, like, I don't know. And I just continually prayed and prayed and got involved in my local church and realized that planning a church here in the U.S. was what we wanted to do. And then we began to look at the map of where to go. And we wanted somewhere where the gospel was least uh, somewhere that was multicultural, someone that there, were, there was a big metro. And of all the places, we found the border of El Paso and Juarez. And there's roughly 3 million individuals and less than 5% know the Lord Jesus. And we said, that's where we want to go. And so we began to pray and support raise to move out there. And we've done that since. It's wow. amazing. All right. So I, I grew up actually on the field. Uh, my parents were IMB missionaries, so I arrived with not a whole lot of say in it in the, in the beginning. Um, I came to faith on the side of one of the most active volcanoes in the Ring of Fire uh, mm. at a camp. And after I gave my life to Christ, I, I was compelled uh, to be involved in missions. They called us uh, MKs, and I said, no, I'm a kid missionary. I wanted to be right there um, working side by side with my parents. And so o- over the years, the Lord just began to speak. And he he prepared me really in many ways because when I got to the states, uh, I, I was like, how how can I get back to to serve? And I had seen many people suffering in the countries in Southeast Asia, um, mm-hmm. in many areas that were under Muslim um, uh, countries and, and leadership. And so I began to look for how I could do that. He led me to agriculture uh, as a means to do that to prepare my life for that. Um, he at at one point I thought I was going to fly in MAF aviation, um, but he instead led me a different direction. So I would speak to many of our young people and say, as, as you're looking for, uh, as, as you feel called to do mission, because missions, it comes out of, a, of the spirit of God living in you. It compels you to go. We're all called to do missions, but in different ways. And so I would speak to our young people to be, how can I be prepared? How can I better prepare my life to serve the Lord, if you and if you are called to foreign missions, then you can do many things now to prepare yourself for that um, in the future. So. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, my calling was a little unexpected. Um, I interned in the youth ministry and rec ministry at, here at this church for a few years, and then I went on staff as the middle school minister. Worked with Matt, which probably explains some of my oddities that I still <laughs> struggle with. <laughs> Um, I figured I'd get a chuckle out of that one. Yeah. Um, but I, I really thought I was going to be the weird old guy who was still in youth ministry. You know, I didn't want to, you know, climb the church corporate ladder. I, I really loved ministering to students. I loved teaching the Bible. I loved discipling um, the, the students of the church. And I thought I was going to stay in that forever. Um, and I took our students on a mission trip up to uh, Mission Arlington to do vacation Bible schools and apartment complexes across the metro. And... Um, there's something that just happened, and the Lord really revealed to me my conception of church, that it doesn't have to be an established, you know, very old, you know, historic church that's rooted and grounded and ministers to a city, but, but God uses the church in many different ways and in many different flavors. 
And that's the, and my wife was on that trip with me, and we just felt the Lord tugging at our hearts to, to do something. Um, and that was one of the hardest decisions that I've ever had to make. Like one of the, I cried the most whenever I told my students that I was going to be uh, leaving and going to a church to be trained for church planting. And so, um, yeah, the Lord, we, we knew that the Lord was calling us to, to church planting. We didn't know what that would look like, so I went and uh, got training at the Austin Stone uh, down in Austin for two years for church planting. And then after that, we began to think, where, where do we feel the Lord calling us? Um, and he kept bringing up Iowa in my mind. Um, I gr- spent a few years in Iowa as a kid and really loved it. And we, my, my wife and I knew that we wanted to go somewhere um, where the church was on the, the decline. Uh, Iowa and Des Moines, there's lots of churches uh, that are dying. There's, there's very few uh, robust and healthy SBC churches. And so whenever we heard that there was going to be a church planting um, work in Des Moines, we signed up and said, that's where we want to go. I, I listen to these guys, and, and I think... Iowa, really? Iowa, El Paso, really? I mean, it, it feels like those are places that nobody would want to go, but the Lord, they put it into your hearts and you couldn't deny it at that point, right? I mean, that's, I find that interesting and amazing, you know, that when he, when he picked a spot for you, it, it seemed that it was very clear for you that that was the spot. I think if you were choosing, I don't know if that's what you would choose. Unfortunately, that's why God chooses and, and sins. So what, what are some things then in your areas? Uh, what do you see God doing? What are, what are some God stories? What are some things that you've just seen God do that, that, that you could only explain as, wow, that's, that's God right there. He did that. Do you have any, have any stories? I would say that the beginning of COVID, um, we were focused on our focus group of people in our country. When COVID hit, things were shut down completely. I mean, literally, we couldn't even go outside uh, of our apartment pretty much. And so began to cry out to the Lord, you know, what can we do from our apartment? And all of a sudden we became aware that there were refugees and migrant workers all around us that were without work and were going hungry. And so we began to be communi- we began to get requests for help and praise God for Baptist global response and the ability that we could, we could get funds to buy food. So I was actually out of the apartment every day uh, delivering food. We had a, a letter from the police that allowed us to be able to travel and go in and give food. And it opened doors that we could never imagine. I'm getting calls a year after being back here stuck in the States for many months. I'm still getting calls from many of these people. Uh, we're still able to help get help to them from this side of the world and continue those conversations and continue to share with them. That's great. That's awesome. One of the things that, that the Lord is using our church family frontier in Des Moines um, is as I mentioned, the church on, being on the decline, there's a lot of um, disaffected people who grew up in mainline churches but really did not follow Jesus or love Jesus. And in, in adulthood, they realized that they, they needed to follow Jesus, they needed to love Jesus. And our church is kind of, we've, you know, we view ourselves as a, as a church that kind of rescues those people uh, from departing from the faith, from from checking out on church and from, um, you know, saying, I don't really believe in this Jesus thing. So we've seen some uh, some people, you know, them them actually followed Jesus in the context of our church and and people who said I was one Sunday away from walking out from the church, turning my back on Jesus and 
there's something about this this family of people in this church and that's not not to nothing to brag on about our church but that's one unique way that we're seeing the lord use our church family is is there's a lot of people out in society today who have just been playing the church game going to church because that's what their parents did never really loved jesus never really given jesus their loyalty and uh and the lord's used our our local church family to to keep people um, in the church to keep people in the faith and to persevere use then the lord's been using us to persevere their faith um, so that's a really unique thing in our in our context where we have a lot of people who grew up catholic or grew up lutheran um, and just you know did the catechism did all that stuff and never really made made their faith their own it was you know a faith that they inherited but they just they just did it and COVID has been a really interesting thing to see for people to see who um oh i really need people like, I really, really need to see people. I need to hear people. I need to be touched by people. Um, and our church has grown during the pandemic because people have realized my life is chaos. I don't know what I'm doing. Everything is upside down. I, I need something to hold on to. And they've realized that Jesus is the only thing that they can hold on to in chaos. Yeah, so for us as a church plant, we launched last year and we've met in six different places since our launch because of COVID. We met in a school, but then COVID came and we had to leave. Then we went to a wedding hall venue. COVID happened. We had to leave to their parking lot for a little bit in 105 degree heat. Hmm. Um, but because of that, we had to find a place and there happened to be a storefront kind of a little bit further away that he was just accepting any deal. And so we got a amazing deal on two storefront uh, mm -hmm. places. So now we have a permanent location as of right now. But through that, my co-pastor Brant and I, one of the things we always do whenever we're talking or whether it's fast food restaurants, we're always inviting that, that person to a Bible study. Mm -hmm. And our real, the realtor we invited to a Bible study. And he took us up on that. It's 50-50. Mm -hmm. You never know. Uh, mm -hmm. But he said yes. And we met, we've been meeting with him for going on four months. He's accepted the Lord. He's getting baptized in two weeks. Oh, wow. He Amen. is doing personal devotions with his wife, who's not a believer yet, mm -hmm. and with his kids. And this is a huge change for this man. Mm -hmm. And we have another realtor agent that works under him that's also he's been we've been meeting with him for four months now and we also have through the same uh building that we got the person that did most of the construction on mm -hmm. our facility i've been meeting with him for going on four months now and he it's coming it's coming he's bringing a lot of challenging question his heart is being convicted but the gospel conversations and conversions we've seen just through COVID and what we thought was an inconvenience mm -hmm. has become just a kingdom, kingdom re moment for kingdom rejoicement. So, yeah, there seems to be a theme of God using circumstances uh, for his benefit and for his glory. Oh, we're going to go off script a little bit. Oh, we're going to go off script and I'm actually going to open this up. Is there anybody and, and don't embarrass me by not having a question. Is there anybody out here or in the choir that would like to ask these gentlemen a question? Don't be shy. Rhonda, I can see. What could we do, just in case everybody couldn't hear, so what could we do, what could First Baptist Dalton, what could believers here do for you to help, to help you in your ministry? I'd say you've done a whole lot already because many of you have already gone and accompanied us all the way to the other side of the the world and served alongside us, climbed mountains, fallen off mountains, you know, <laughs> um, 
helped us with our, our coffee business, so many different things, because many places we go, we can't go in as missionaries. We have to go in in other ways, through business, through um, uh, through whatever whatever means we can. And so many of you have gone and done that. You've given your skills and talent to be able to do that. And many of you have prayed um, and given. And you as a church give um, to Lottie Moon, which really supports our work. So in many ways, keep doing what you're doing. Um, keep doing those things. Yeah. I would definitely just say prayer. Uh, I really love the 30-day prayer book that you gave because the, the power in prayer fuels mission. Charles Bridges once says, it's surprising that 50% of ministry is prayer, and uniquely it fuels the other 50%. So we can't undermine it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just got to just say pray, 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 and pray for us. And then, of course, come visit. Okay. I would say, I mean, like financial support is awesome. Like we need that. Uh, but one of the most meaningful things you can do, um, is reaching out to people who are overseas or people who are in another ministry context. Um, whenever people come or whenever people send an email, I'm sure you guys can attest to this, that it's more satisfying than just getting a support check every month. I've t- and that's, that's universally true with every, with every worker, whether they're in North America or they're, uh, overseas, the, the letters or the phone calls or the text messages or the visits, like those are the things that help sustain a lot of workers, especially people who are in closed countries or people who are in really difficult ministry contexts. Like those little personal touches are incredibly uh, helpful and um, it's, it's a balm for the soul on those weary days. Yeah. All right. So I know that every one of you just said that giving is nice, but it's the other things that are really more important, the prayer, the sending, the, the personal touch. But about the giving, um, each of you have benefited from one of the special offerings. Uh, just real briefly, how, how do those, how does a, a dollar that somebody gives to Lottie Moon or Annie Armstrong or Mary Hill Davis, how does that really help? What does it really do for you? Uh, one of the practical things for me for Sun City Church, and I believe all church plants in Texas, is they're giving a complete sound system. Uh, mm. So I'm, I'm a, growing theologian. I don't know anything about these things. Mm-hmm. And to spend the time and the energy of figuring out what's a good mic, what's a good stereo, I don't, that's just, that's rough. That's mm-hmm. rough. And through the Mary Hill Davis <laughs> offering, they give us all of that at the start. So then that's less time I have to focus on those things we need, the practical things, mm-hmm. and more time on the gospel uh, going forward, gospel strategies and discipleship. So that's, that was a, that was a big answer to prayer. Awesome. Uh, with with Annie Armstrong, um, since my church planting residency, I was being given a, a housing stipend from from contributions given to the North American Mission Board. So, so for so nine years, seven years ago, like I was already being funded by that. And then now <clears throat> with Frontier Church, we were sent out by a church of about 250 people. So pretty small church uh, compared to other churches in the country, small budget. But because of the cooperative program, because of Annie Armstrong, they were able to send out a church plant. And now five years into Frontier's existence, we've already sent out our first church planter. And God willing, in two years, we'll be sending out another church plant. That's proof that the cooperative program, those special offerings, you can, you, you can partner with smaller churches who have a small budget and, and you can plant churches to the, where the gospel goes out in every nook and cranny of our country. Yeah, that's awesome. And Lottie Moon, obviously, the 100% of Lottie Moon, every dollar goes to foreign missions. 
Um, cooperative program is divided between our universities and colleges and many different things. So a small amount gets to, to, the, to the International Mission Board. But Lottie, when you give to Lottie Moon, it supports all 3,500 of your missionaries around the globe. It provides for every one of our needs, you know, a vehicle if, when we need it, a place to live, you know, over our head, um, our kids being able to have an education. I mean, you go all the way down the list. It provides for everything that makes it possible for us to, to live among the people God's called us to and to share the gospel and to, and to plant churches. Thank you guys uh, for sharing, for sharing that. Um, you, you mentioned earlier, you kind of referred to somebody who may feel called to missions. What, what would you say, what are some things you would say to somebody who may be considering or wondering, is God, is God calling me to missions? What do you, what would you say to somebody like that? Um, so I would say to that person to get involved with all the time you have involved in your local church. Uh, plug in everywhere you can so that the local church can see what you're doing, exhort you, uh, just affirm some of your spiritual gifts, and then through serving, let that joy that just comes from serving and the joy from others helping you serve just be a springboard into whether it's the mission field to the pastorate to serving somewhere down the road in the local community, but get involved in the local church and allow them to help uh, just affirm your spiritual gifts and send you off and send you off well because that's that's where I my calling was affirmed was through the local church. And I I would say also get around people who have a white hot passion for missions. Like that's one of the best things that you can do in the context of the church. Hopefully there are people who are passionate about missions, and I know in this church there are. So if you feel like God is calling you to missions, get around people who have gone overseas, who've worked overseas, who have done campus ministry, who've done church planting efforts, who've done local outreach. Get around those people who are super passionate about that. Um, and it's not just an anecdotal experience like missiologists talk about, getting around people who are passionate about missions, and that helps catalyze and it helps you discern your calling to missions. And I think develop a passion for the people and a place. Um, having a plan for missions is great, um, but whenever things aren't going as you had planned, uh, the people that you're ministering to and the place that you're ministering to, those things will sustain you uh, through hardships. That's, that's been true for my family and I. We One of the things when we were discerning our call to Des Moines was... If God smote this church two years in, but we still want to live here, but we still want to live down the street from, from people in our church, but we still want to be with our neighbors and have relationships with these people, I think that's super important because if you just have your plan and it's going to be, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it at this point, whenever you've got a hiccup in your plan, you're going to feel like God really didn't call you to where you're going and that you've got to, you've got to abandon ship. And that, so I think that's really important. I remember asking my father why the uttermost parts of the earth, you know, and he said to, to me, he said, I really feel a specific calling for our family to go where the, the, the message is not gone. Mm-hmm. So he had a specific calling to do foreign missions. If you're called to do that, you're not going to be able to just start doing it when you land off the plane or off the boat. you got to start doing missions right where you are. And I encourage you as young people here, if you don't have, I mean, if it's international missions you want to do, the world is coming to us. Our immigration system is a mess, but one of the blessings is we've got opportunities all around us. You may have families in your own community that have moved in, and when they first arrive, that's some of the most difficult days because it's culture shock for them. They're trying to adapt. They don't know the language. So even as young people, some of those kids in the community, you may reach out, and the Lord just move you to reach out. And as a family, if your church is adopting international families, students uh, like at the university, 
Uh, I know there's many of them that come and they're lonely too. There's opportunities for you to do international missions right here without getting on a plane. But then as you seek the Lord's will for future opportunities, get involved in trips that your, your church is doing. Ask and find out what are some trips that you can go on. Even in high school and college, you can be doing that. And, and then there's also the journeyman programs. I met Jill. I met my wife uh, serving overseas in the Philippines uh, through the journeyman program. I encourage that for anyone who's uncertain about career for sure but want, wants to have an experience sign up with the IMB and go spend uh, a year or two years overseas. And, and, and as the Lord solidifies that, then you, you can be preparing yourself for, uh, for missions. I, I went to ag school because I, I thought the countries that God is calling me to and many of the areas where I grew up, they need agriculturalists. And so being preparing yourself for what God has down the road. And then many of you who are maybe already look are, are thinking career path, um, signing up with the IMB to go as career missionaries, um, you, you need to do it early. Don't wait because uh, it takes a year. For us, it took four years uh, before the Lord um, opened that door for us mm-hmm. to go. And then those of you who are retired, many of you are already serving in ways going uh, to help support the work that other missionaries are doing. Uh, keep doing that because, my goodness, each, you all bring special talents that we can't get. I mean, we have we have some career missionaries that are going now that are there's one guy's a fly fisherman. He does fly fishing for Jesus. He's got international people coming from all over the world to, to minister to communities that he's doing fly fishing. in. you have, ta- I mean, if you can go as a fly fisherman, you can go in any area as a nurse, a doctor, whatever you can go. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Um, I've done something dangerous. I've asked each one of these guys to give us an exhortation from scripture. So hopefully this won't last another 45 minutes guys. But, um, I, I think each of you might have a word uh, from the scripture f- for our body, and, and I'd, I'd just like to ask for you to, to share what you might have. So, uh, so uh, for me, I, I have the Great Commission. We hear that a lot it's, uh, in Matthew, the very end, chapter 28, and he says, All authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and baptize. Or go, therefore, to the nations and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and be ho- teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you to the ends of the ages. And it's a, it's a command, it's a duty, but what I often just come back to that is just claim the power and the permission it gives us. And because it's at the very end of Matthew and all throughout Matthew, we've seen Jesus just use his word. And then from commanding with his word, then we can obey. Peter gets off the boat. They're seeing like what's going on. And Peter says, Jesus, if that's you command me and then I can come. Jesus says, come. And then Peter can walk on water. Same thing with the uh, centurion's daughter. Centurion's like, Jesus, just say the word and my daughter will be healed. Jesus heals him, heals the daughter. The same thing with the fig tree. Jesus, with his word, curses it. If Jesus gives the command, then everything needed to obey is there. And so the Great Commission comes at the end, and it's right sandwiched in between, between two authority claims. All power has been given to me, all authority. I am with you always. Therefore, you can obey and you will, you, you can obey and you will succeed because I am with you. So there's permission to go and there's permission that we can obey and succeed and see gospel fruit. You know, and I, I hear that command and it is easy for us to grandize that to something being sent far away. 
but I think all of us in here, you know, from last week's sermon and from sermons and Sunday school lessons that, that I don't think Tom's just talking about missions in this regard. It's just the simple sharing of the gospel, even just with your neighbor or your friend or, or your family member. Um, he's commanded us to go and he's said he'll be with us. And, and I love that. Thank you. Um, I, I know that the the climate of our country and the climate of our world, people are afraid that the church is going to lose its relevancy. Or you look at baptism numbers or you look at church attendance numbers, and especially during a pandemic, and people are, are worried that the church is going to wither up and, and go away. Um, but we, we've been told in Scripture that that's not going to be the case, that the church will not. And so I just would like to encourage you with, uh, with this brief passage from uh, from Matthew chapter 16. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to him, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, what's really interesting about this scene is that Jesus is with his disciples, and he's walking past this, this large mountain, this big hill. And on this hill, uh, people worshipped Augustus, people worshipped Pan, people worshipped Zeus. And so Jesus, as he's on this big rocky area, this, this place where, where worship of lesser gods was taking place and where people believed that it was kind of a gateway to the underworld, where, where the undead were, uh, where, the, where the dead, the disembodied dead were. And so Jesus on this area, he's saying, I'm gonna build my, I'm gonna build my church here. I'm gonna build my kingdom. And the gates of this underworld, the, the evil spirits, the, the principalities and the powers of darkness, they will not prevail against the church. And so I think that's really, really important for us to remember in this, this season of chaos that we've found ourselves in is that Jesus has promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Right? So Jesus in this picture is kind of rattling the gates of, of hell and taunting Satan and saying, hey, you can do all you want, but it's not going to make a difference because I am building my church. And I, and I think that's the second point that's important to remember is that we are not building the church. Jesus is building the church and he's involving us in his work and it's a blessing and we get to work with him. We get to serve the king of kings who has authority and dominion over every single thing in existence. And so we can hold on to that and we can, we can engage in our church community. We can engage, engage in our neighborhoods and our apartment complexes and cities and places of work and places of recreation. We can do that because we, uh, we know that the kingdom of Jesus will never come to an end. And so I, th- I think that's, that's something that's been really helpful for my soul uh, during this, this crazy past year and crazy start to this year. <laughs> Amen. Akulah pokok anggur dan kamulah ranting-rantingnya. Barang siapa tinggal di dalam aku dan aku di dalam dia, ia berbuah banyak. So I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So for me, a, a, a stark reminder of doing missions we can't bear fruit unless we're connected to the vine. And the vine, the vine is the, the vertical relationship we have with the Lord. Um, if we're connected with him and in a relationship with him, then, then we can see the fruit come. But sometimes we have a tendency in missions to put the fruit first. And we work hard for the fruit. And there's really a lot of reasons why we do it. I learned the hard way. You know, when I went from college, I, I, I pretty much 
had an opportunity. Uh, I was given opportunity when I graduated to get a good job here, and I turned it down. I said, you know, my, my professor came to me and said, you're crazy. He invited me to his house, and he said, what are you doing? You're wasting your life. You graduated top in your class, and you're going to throw it all away. And I said, well, Jesus gave his life for me. Um, he gave everything for me. What is this for me to give back to him? Mm. And I remember landing in the Philippines, and the first month I was carrying goat manure from the goat barn out to the rice fields. I was up to mud, you know, in the rice fields, and I was at the end of that month, I cried out to the Lord and said, what am I doing for you? And I remember out there, there was no electricity after about 8 p.m. They turned the generators off, and, and on the weekend there was no one around, and so I would by myself go out into the rice fields and stand under the stars and just cry out to the Lord and, and look up at the floorboard of heaven. And he said, I'm not, I didn't call you to do something for me. I, I want to do something in you. And in that moment, I realized he wanted, he really wanted a relationship with me. He wanted me to know him in, in a way that, that only he could do that. And, and it was at that breaking point, I came to a point of complete surrender to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I am yours. No matter what happens, I give all of myself to you. Here I was thinking I was already giving it up. And it's, he said, it's not sacrifice that I, that I desire. It's obedience. And so it wasn't but about three weeks after that I met Jill. And the Lord began to put the pieces of the puzzle of my life together. He began to show me the road forward. But we really have to surrender to him and be connected to the vine before we can even think about uh, the fruit. But that will come and it's his time. Amen. Guys, I want to thank you all for coming to First Baptist Belton and, and to, to share. Do, would you all have just any last words to share before, before we move on in the service? It's okay if you don't, but just in case you do. I would say don't grow weary of, of doing good. Uh, the Lord uses this church mightily in funding uh, church planting and funding international missions and funding disaster relief. So don't grow weary of, of doing good and figure out ways that you can be involved more because there are so many ways. Um, I love this church. I've been supported by this church for seven years. Um, I, <clears throat> I know of all the stories of people being supported. So... <clears throat> Excuse me, it's my Texas allergies. I promise I'm not sick. Um, but I'd say, don't grow weary of doing good. That's, that's really all I've got. Thank you. I'd like to second that as well as saying thank you to, for all the investment of prayer and time that you've given. And for my crazy uncle who's always out there. He's had me so many times, and they insist on us staying in their home and just have treated us so well. We're just so blessed by this church, and we're praying for you as you search for, your, search for a new pastor. Yeah. Thank you. And I would just say thank you once again. Good, it's great seeing you all in person, that you guys have just been generous, uh, just even with from the distance. So thank you very, very, very much. And to remain true to his word and rest in knowing that the word does the work. All right. Well, thank you, guys. This, let's say thank you to these guys so much. So um, we've come to now, as we move to the, our, our end of our service, we call it the time of invitation. And it's an invitation for you to respond to the Lord, how, how God is leading you. There could be someone here who don't know Jesus. You, 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 think, you thought maybe you have, but through the days or the weeks, you've realized, I, I, don't, I don't know him. And maybe today is the day you could. Others of you in here may have been dealing with a call to missions for some time, and today is the day that you need to say yes to that. I'll be down here, or there'll be some other staff, fellow staff members down here who can help walk you through that. And so 
Let's stand together now and let's, let's talk with the Lord and deal with the Lord through imitation. Are you in a weekly Bible study? If you are not connected with First Baptist Felton in one of our small groups, we'd love to have you. Sunday school classes meet every Sunday morning from 945 to 1045 a.m. And no matter what age or stage of life you're in, we have a place for you. 